I'm J.L. Fields, the host of the weekly radio program, Easy Vegan. I need you. I need monthly supporters to help me continue to bring vegan messages to airwaves and to podcatchers everywhere. When you support me on a monthly basis, for as little as a dollar, you could get anything from a weekly email from me to an entire meal plan for you, maybe even an online cooking lesson. Go to easyveganradio.com to learn more. J.L. Fields coming to you from Studio 809 in Colorado Springs. We also have listeners in Janesville, Wisconsin. They can tune in on 103.5 LPFM. And welcome to all of you who are listening via the podcast. Thrilled that you're here. If you're new to the show, please check out our previous episodes at easyveganradio.com and you can get all caught up. Speaking of getting all caught up, you may have noticed I took last week off. Imagine that. Well, I had actually spent a couple of weeks away, or felt like a couple of weeks. I guess it was more like 10 days. I was in New York City teaching at the Main Street Vegan Academy and then flew from there to Los Angeles to attend for the first time ever for me, the Animal Rights Conference. What an experience that was. I have so many feelings about it, and I'm actually thinking about doing a dedicated show uh, in the near future, I think I might actually record a few snippets with some of the people I met there just to kind of get their feedback and incorporate that into one sort of debriefing of the Animal Rights Conference. What I can tell you is that uh, those of you who've listened for a while know I de- certainly identify as an ethical vegan. I think that um, the benefits to our health is a side effect of making an ethical decision to not harm beings, uh, regardless if they are human or not human. And then, of course, um, it's having a huge impact on the environment. And all of those things, of course, were discussed at the Animal Rights Conference, but certainly from this perspective of uh, an ethical one. And it was empowering. It was inspiring, slightly maddening on different occasions. <laughs> um, but the community and some new people that I met was an extraordinary experience for me. And we'll talk about that soon. But that was why when I returned, it was 4th of July week and I decided why not take a little downtime. But we're back up and we are back with a, a return guest, a, a musical savant, if you will. And he's back and he's going to talk to us about how he uses his art for animals. Brooklyn-based composer and performer Michael Heron combines elements of classical composition with experimental electronics and storytelling to create hypnotic and boldly intimate work that walks the line between Laurie Anderson, Peter Gabriel, and Dead Can Dance. He is artist-in-residence at Tamerlane Farm Animal Sanctuary, where he created the solo multimedia theater piece, The Animal Show, which premiered in New York City in 2006 and continues to be performed in venues throughout the United States. 
Beats. Michael has toured as pianist with Sandra Bernard, is the musical director for Cabaret for a Cause, and has performed at Dixon Place, Joe's Pub, Judson Memorial Church, The Knitting Factory, The Duplex, Don't Tell Mama, the Lori Beachman Theater, as well as numerous venues around the country. Michael Heron is a Moogfest artist who presented No Permission Needed, Create, with Senator Jez at Moogfest 2017. He is returning to the show because that amazing theater performance, The Animal Show, is now The Animal Album and The Animal Book. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you so much. Always love to talk to you. Oh, you too. Uh, You know, you've been a little busy. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a busy time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just like creating theater pieces, music, books, no big deal. Yeah, you know, day in the life. Exactly. We have so much to talk about, but I'm going to tell you, I have your beautiful new book in my hand, and it made me feel all warm and tingly. Um, At at the beginning, you talk about your trip to Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary with Michael and Ethan. Um, Michael Suchman, Ethan Cement, many people know as the Vegan Moes, who are dear friends of yours, who are dear friends of mine. And um, Woodstock had a profound uh, experience or impact on you, Woodstock had a huge impact on me, enough to have me tattoo a goat named Clover on my arm. And we were recently on a bus together going to Woodstock. (laughs) Yeah, we were. I totally forgot about that. I don't know how. That was what? That was fun. That was fun. That was Thanksgiving. So basically all roads lead to Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary or many farm animal sanctuaries, as you have shown us through your recent work. Yeah. Yeah, so much stuff and so much in the book. Yeah, sanctuaries. <laughs> so t- talk about why they're important. Um, you know, they it's so important to meet animals. E- even as a vegan, when I went to sanctuaries for the first time and really getting to know the animals at Tamerlane, um, it changed my veganism. You know, I was vegan, but it changed how I talked about animals and how I regarded them, like knowing them personally. If that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Can you? Um, I think a lot of our listeners have probably never visited a farm animal sanctuary. Can you tell us a little bit about how that message might have shifted and how you might talk to someone a little bit differently as a result? Oh, sure. You know, like I I think my big takeaway from sanctuary and from being at Tamerlane so much was really understanding that all animals are individuals and they have relationships with each other and with humans and they remember each other and like chickens especially because I thought of chickens as like I don't even as a vegan I was like I don't want to hurt them but they're just chickens. I, I didn't realize that they had formed relationships with each other and they have like friends that they hang out with and they remember me and um you know they have their own personalities and personhood um which I believed on on a logical level but I learned it more on an emotional like sort of real life level by being around them. Yeah. I totally get it. You know, and you're right. It's like that individual and, um, and like putting a name, you know, it's one thing to say, Oh, look at all those cows over there in a pasture. And it's very different to say, Oh, look at, um, Dylan. And, you know, uh, I was kind of joking in the intro, but you know, I, I do have a tattoo of a goat on my arm. And what I love is when people say, Oh my gosh, that is a cool goat tattoo. And I always say, Oh, it's not just a goat tattoo. That's it. That's, that's Clover. She lives in New York. She came from Yonkers and instead of being slaughtered and eaten, she's been living for years at Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. And these are like non-vegans who just kind of like go zoink. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had a friend who asked me the rooster's name on the on the cover of the book. 
who oh no no i forgot i think it's simon and this is what's really funny about it because like at a later time he said something oh, we were talking about a chicken and this guy isn't vegan and he's like oh like simon and i was like what what are you talking about who's simon and he's like <laughs> simon the chicken on your book and i was like oh whoa you remembered that and he's like yeah that had a really big impact on me realizing that chicken had a name you know, it's it's a really interesting way to advocate. It really is. It really is. And you've really taken the farm animal sanctuary experience and done something super unique with it. So listeners, if you don't know, um, Michael has returned to the show. He was on episode 95 when he was on the tour. He was visiting farm animal sanctuaries. He was volunteering at farm animal sanctuaries and performing your theater piece, The Animal Show. And when we last spoke, you told us that your plan was to turn this into uh, and to turn this into a book and into an album, which you have done. And I'm wondering, you know, this is clearly you taking your animal advocacy and combining it with your Art And in this case, your work, your art is music and storytelling. So what inspired you to do that? Um, you know, I had I did a show before this one called Tentative Armor. And I've always been inspired by people like Laurie Anderson. And uh, Laurie Anderson is a big one. Just the way she combines like spoken word with her electronic sort of soundscapes. And, um, and I always wanted to do work like that. So that's what Tentative Armor was. It was sort of my dive into doing that kind of work. And I started trying to write um, animal r- activist type work, and um, and it, it always felt so forced in a way, mm. and um, and and it like kind of corny. <laughs> so then, when I was at Woodstock for that first Thanks Thanks Living that I went to, it sort of the idea came into my head to be a resident artist at a sanctuary that in in a way it was sort of like creating a situation that i would have stories to tell you know like that that could then be turned into a show so i mean that i guess is the short version of how it happened i've always been drawn to doing this kind of work and um the idea of um doing like i wanted to tell the story of animals and i felt like i had to have an experience to tell people about rather than trying to just talk about this philosophy mm. What I love about this, Michael, is a lot of people when they, you know, maybe are new vegan activists and they're and they're trying to find their way, right? And sometimes you look at what other people are doing and you're thinking, well, I should do that, and it doesn't always fit. But what you just described is so important. You were at a sanctuary and then you saw what you do as a way, like you're like, oh, I could go to one and do what I do. And I think sometimes it's right in front of us what we could be doing as advocates for animals. And I, I'm so I'm so glad that you shared that. It might be a short story, but it's like it's, it's an important one, which is what do you do and how can you insert your animal advocacy into that? Yeah, and I think we all have that thing that we can do. I just saw the Mister Rogers movie, so forgive me mm. if I get all corny, but like we all have that special thing that only we can do, right? And and we just have to be able to like sort of be able to open our minds and our hearts to the idea that, oh, I have something new to do. It's it's easy to look and see what someone else is doing and want to do that. But maybe we have our own take on on something yeah. that is really important for us to do. I think that's that's great. And it's really inspirational. I, you know, the work that you did when you were on the on the tour with the animal show, uh, the production it was really exciting to see what you were doing because through your Facebook, uh, you were updating people about the shows, obviously, but you were also stopping, you were continuing 
this. You continued to go to sanctuaries and you continued to volunteer. So I was able to see during that process how you were doing an art piece while also strengthening as an animal advocate. And so I'm wondering now, since the last time we spoke and you moved from the theater piece to working on the book and and the album, were there any other sort of new ways that you learned or uh, were able to advocate for animals that maybe surprised you? Um, The thing, one of the most interesting things, like I might have talked before when we talked about how my director, the director of the show, who still isn't quite vegan yet, but I think he's getting close, (laughs) was like affected by working on the show with me because I tell all these stories. And, you know, there was a moment when, we were, I was, there's a little bit, I, I threw in little like nuggets of, of like factory farm stuff, you know, what happens. So there are little play, like little asides. I'm like, oh, by the way, this happens to chicks. And I talked about how, what happens to male chicks in a um, egg laying farm. Um, and he, like, I told this whole story and he, at the end of it was like, oh my God, am I, do they really do that? Mm. Like the whole idea that chicks are ground up alive. And I was like, oh, that the chicks? Oh, totally. Like, and he's like, oh, am I going to stop eating eggs now? And I was like, I don't know. Do you want to have chicks ground up alive in, on your behalf? Um, but it happened when I was recording the album, too. I, I record like, the vocals and the string stuff and the piano stuff at this studio in my neighborhood. Um, and I teach, or I used to teach, the, the engineer's son. So we're pretty good friends. And so a lot of these stories, like the story of Kaporos, I told a bunch of times in his studio while he was recording it. And um, and it was really interesting. I was walking down the street. I saw him coming on his bike. And as he drove by, he was like, man, those stories really stuck with me. And he just kept going. Like, there are these crazy moments. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to advocate for veganism in this work situation. You know, where it wasn't me. I was just recording a story. But he had to hear it a bunch of times. <laughs> so those are the moments that are really kind of cool and interesting. I love it. So uh, what was your vision taking the the work that you did at the sanctuaries, taking the work you did through the, the theatrical production? What was your vision for the book and for the album? And how did you make that happen? Um, one of the, the – a big part of what happened with the book is I have a friend named Luke Curtis – who I've been friends with forever. We met in a Yoko Ono uh, fan group Obviously. years ago. I mean, who, who doesn't? <laughs> and, um, and he started his own publishing company called bdstudios.com. And um, he, he had the idea to turn my first show into a book, which we did. We turned that into a book and an album. So going into this show, I sort of threw the idea. That I'm like, hey, I'm starting a new show. We should make a book. And so much of how this type of thing falls together, the book itself is his vision he designed the book and you know it's his concept and um so like one of the things with doing an independent show like this is that i'm funding it mostly by myself yeah and um so i can't really travel to a lot of places so having a book and an album that sort of work together as their own like multimedia thing um is a great way to sort of carry this message to other people to to get it in front of more eyes i think and that's, I think, the big part of the vision. Mm-hmm. And I, so let's let's talk a little bit about the design because I have to tell you, I mean, you know, I see a lot of books come across my desk, and what? Um, so I have to compliment. I don't know where your 
voice comes through on, on this design and where your friends is, but the cover is absolutely fantastic because if you pull the whole book apart, it's actually one image, but both of the images are absolutely fantastic on their own. And, and, um, so we have a, is it a chicken or a rooster? Should I know this? Uh, it's cover? a rooster. Yeah. It's a rooster. And that's Simon. I think I'm so scared. I have his name wrong. That's Simon. <laughs> well, Simon will forgive you if you do, because uh, you're still doing good work for him. And then you're on the back with this huge engaging smile. And then throughout the, if you just kind of skim through the book, what you're going to see are a lot of photos of Michael performing and you see uh, the stages, but then all of a sudden you see a pig in a transport truck on its way to slaughter. You see the chickens at Kaporos. You see uh, the violence towards animals, but you don't see it all at once and you don't see only that. And so I think it's such an inviting way to pull people in it's because it's such a cheerful colorful and hopeful cover and it's an exciting for for people who love art you see what's happening the art that's in the book and that's in the words and you can't not see what's happening to animals so bravo to however you guys decided to come up with that design <laughs> yeah i think it's all that stuff is him like a lot of the photographs are mine obviously not the ones that i'm in that was a vegan photographer, Seth Webster. Did I think all those live photographs are from him? And then Diane uh, Bazanski uh, did all the other, like the full color ones that are at the farm, like the cover photo. Mm -hmm. I love that you like the cover. People have a really kind of strong reaction to that. Some people really think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because they, I think they think that, uh, and it, it's sort of intended that way, but it is a little bit disjointed. But I loved the idea of having a the chicken on the cover and not me like that's kind of the point of the whole thing yeah it's called the animal book <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but that but that we're clearly connected i mean so there's there's you know there there he is on your arm um and then if you decide to look flip to the back there you are i i, I think i think it's fantastic so really it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks michael um <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, so let's talk about the album so i'm curious so i'm assuming that the music from the production is is on the album. Did you do you have any new tracks or anything else that came up between the performance and then what you ended up recording? Um, no, everything that's on the album is in the show. Um, although there is one track called "Blood and Beaks" that um, I recruited a friend of mine who's a like a sort of noise guitarist to do. I asked him to do. I, I sort of stole his. Synthes this synthesizer technique from him that I did in the show. And then I was like, hey, would you like to do that? Make your own track for this song. And he's like, yeah. And then he came back with all these different guitar tracks. And really, it's one of my favorite moments on the whole album now. Um, his name is Ron Anderson. So there are little things like that. And like I added some music to the very closing story. There's, there's, a, there's spoken word on the album, too. Mm -hmm. um, so I added a little music to this one little, the very ending, the story of Tilly which actually turned into my favorite. It's just this minute and a half track, but it's my favorite thing on the whole album. Mm. Um, yeah, so like it's stuff from the show, but a lot of it is sort of reworked to work a little better on an album and then that great piece with Ron Anderson playing too. And I have, have had a chance, I mean, I, I obviously downloaded um, the album, but I had a chance to listen uh, on YouTube. What, how can people, if they want to take a listen, um, what's the best way for people to listen to some of the tracks? Uh, so it's on all the things. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, if you come to my website, michaelherron.com, and buy the book, you can automatically get a free download of the album that way, too. Um, yeah, but you could, I mean, it's, I released it through CD Baby, mm -hmm. and they distribute it to everywhere. So 
anywhere that you listen to music, you'll be able to find it. Very cool. So um, what was what did you find most surprising when you were going through the process of taking that the tour, taking the show and turning it into these two other forms of media? Anything like that was, I don't know, easy, complicated, bring anything up? I'm just curious what it's like in the artist's brain doing something like this. You know, I think the, the most surprisingly challenging thing was to take some of the things that I did on stage and make them work in a book. Mm. Because like on stage, you can get away with run on sentences and sentence fragments, you know, but because it's a conversational, like a lot of it was just straight up storytelling. So it was really interesting. And Luke was really good at this, um, editing things for me and saying, ah, oh, this doesn't really work like this in a book because I was so familiar with the stories from having told them so many times. Uh, so that is something that changed in the book. And it really it was <laughs> maybe a little annoying, too, to be like, <laughs> no, I already wrote this. Don't make me fix this. But it, uh, in, in the end of things, it turned out really great. That's really cool. I'm wondering, how do you uh, I know you do all kinds of activism. You're uh, you know, you are. One of the most intense, uh, intensely dedicated animal advocates that I know. And so I know that you've done a variety of forms of activism. And I'm wondering, what have you noticed is, how is arts activism different from other types of activism that you've engaged in? Um, I think the thing with art activism, and I think specifically about non-vegans or pre-vegans who, um, who have read the book or who came to the show... I feel like it's when people come to like when people read a book or come to a show or listen to an album, they're open. They're open to receive a message that they might not be in or maybe in a different way than they might be otherwise. So it's easy, you know, like with with the show and when I wrote these stories and the music, I, I was really just trying to share my perspective and and the the experiences I had that made me feel the way that I do about animals and being vegan, mm-hmm. um, and in in a art and a show and in the doing the book, it's much easier to just sort of present this information and this sort of energy of how you know my my uh, combined experiences and in a in a way that people seem pretty open to and in surprising ways like people often. What, like there's a story, it's in the book and the and the show, about a rooster I saw being bullied by other roosters, mm. and 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 I just tell the story of that rooster being bullied and sort with the kind of inf- inference. I don't know if that's the right word. That with kind of the underlying idea that yeah, I relate to this rooster because I grew up a gay kid mm-hmm. who got bullied. Um, and a friend of mine at random told me he wasn't he wasn't going to eat chicken anymore. Uh, because of that story like and it surprised me because he related to that chicken in a way that I don't think he would have otherwise that's fascinating that's really interesting yeah I think it's I think it's um I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit that uh that we can do a variety of types of advocacy and activism and they can have really profound effects that we don't think because I'm I think you and I talked about this. In fact, I'm sure we did at the last show. I think you might have gone to one of your first, um, maybe one of your first save vigils. Because when you were oh, on the tour, yeah. you did that, right? And and I know a lot of people, the save movement is really 
um, gaining momentum and it's happening all over. And listeners, if you don't know, Google it, Save, S-A-V-E, Movement. And um, it's where folks are gathering outside of slaughterhouses and they're greeting the transport trucks as they come in and they're trying to, you know, give water and dignity to these animals before they, um, after a lifetime of suffering, uh, then, you know, experience the the most brutal of it all. But um, what's interesting in the movement right now, and it's probably because I'm hot off of the Animal Rights Conference, where it was like people, the the term I kept hearing over, like, it's our responsibility to bear witness. Um, I actually have some strong reactions to that um, Mm. assertion. Um, And but regardless, I have seen the impact because I saw the impact on you. And I know that you are really great about bearing witness. Um, and what I think is really cool about your activism is that you do that. And then you also take what you know and what you love and what is your creative genius and you do that. And so you're kind of, I don't know, it's almost like you're straddling a couple of different sort of advocacy worlds. Yeah. Does it, does it feel like that? It does now that you say it like in some ways you know with especially with the shows i guess with advocacy and bearing witness and that sort of thing too i kind of have developed this habit of just not thinking about it and just (laughs) making myself do the thing yeah and then looking back at what it was like you know because it like fear can step in really quickly about being creative and about showing up at a vigil you know so yeah i guess i do sort of straddle those lines it's in, like the that vigil made it into a new version of, of the show with a video piece with like footage i captured that night and a piece i wrote for piano and electronics and strings which became you know it just sort of stands alone in the show there's no accompanying story although there is a story in the book about that night yeah um it, it's interest it's very effective too <laughs> it's really it's it's interesting to see how you know I can have that experience of bearing witness and then take it to a theater where people might not be willing to go to bear witness at a slaughterhouse but they will sit in a in a in a chair in a theater and listen to music and watch a video Exactly Exactly. Because we're also not going to get everyone to go to a slaughterhouse. And so what a genius way to bring that experience to people and sort of get them in a surprising and an unsuspecting way, Um, which is what you really do with your work. And your book is just, you know, another example and and your album. And and I do want to make sure that our listeners know that uh, the animal book by Michael Heron is available and you can go to his website, michaelheron.com, but you can get it on Amazon and Bandcamp and iTunes and Google Play and Barnes and Noble and IndieBound. So it's it's available everywhere. If you go to michaelheron.com, you can also get links to um, listen to and download the album. And I'm just curious because I literally don't know this. Sometimes, you know, I'm talking to people that I know, um, that I'm friends with, and it's kind of like, you know, I know the next answer. I literally don't know the n- next answer. What are you working on next? Like what, it, from a professional perspective, from an animal advocacy perspective, I have no idea. Oh my God, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love you know, that you said that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Gabrielle at Tamerlane, I had a conversation with her where she was like, this show isn't done yet. You still have work to do on it. It's really good, but it's not done. So that's been echoing in my head a lot. I may be working some more on this show <laughs> and like making another new version of it. Well, good. And um, I'd like you to do another tour because I didn't get to see it. Um, so I've been advocating hard for Colorado and I will be your biggest advocate here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm actually ready to start talking about that. I'm doing a Boston show in October. 
Mm. And that might be a good time to try to like do a couple of other shows around the country, like maybe Denver, or if someone's listening who would like to bring me to your city, please reach out because it's how can they get in hold love, of, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can uh, just send me an email, Michael at michaelheron dot com, or um, like I'm at Michael Heron pretty much on all the in, on all That's the uh, social medias and stuff. Anywhere, reach out to me anyway. Yay. Good. I love that. Well, I want to see you back on the show. I am thrilled that today our guest, Michael Heron, has returned. Be sure to listen to episode 95, where he talked about the tour and the theater, uh, theatrical production. And now we get to see his book and and listen to his music. You can find him at michaelheron.com. Michael, thank you for coming back. And thank you so much for everything that you do for the animals. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Always a delight. A common theme on this show with many of my guests is how people take what they're really good at, their talents, their skills, their experience, and find a way to move that into their animal activism, into their vegan activism. I think this was such a great episode. Michael is inspiring, and I hope you think about how you can do the same. Thanks for listening to Easy Vegan. We'll be back next week.